Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. We've been in this series called Book of Prayers. We've been in this series called Book of Prayers, and it's been really cool um, just as we've looked at only two so far, but as I was going through like the Bible, which is legitimately a book of prayers, I just kept thinking, okay, you know, what, how do I pick one? How do I pick one that I want to talk about? So I even started to do like, like research on this, like, I like was searching, I literally searched every prayer in the Bible, and there's like 600-something prayers in the Bible, either prayers or references to prayer. Um, and it was really amazing just to see as I was going through, and I was reading the topics of each one of these prayers, why people are praying, when they're praying, what has urged them to pray, and how many of you know that like prayer is important? Prayer is important. It's an important part of what we do in our relationship with Jesus. But sometimes we can get kind of lost in that. We can get kind of lost in that. God, okay, you know, how do I pray? How am I supposed to pray? And, and, and when am I supposed to pray? So looking at the Bible as a great guide for us to see why and how we should pray is a great place. And so I'm looking through this, and, and God just laid one on my heart, and it's just a prayer of boldness. It's a prayer of boldness. And this prayer comes from uh, Peter and John in the book of Acts in chapter 4, which we're going to read here in just a few minutes. Um, but as I was reading through this and setting for my message, I just kind of had to laugh to myself that Peter was praying for boldness. If you don't know, Peter has already chopped off the ear of a Roman soldier. So I don't think he really needs much more boldness. You know, he's already got it in him to a certain extent. And, and, and he also has, has, is walking on water. And so he's got that going for him too. And so I just, I think it's amazing. It's amazing. And what it has reminded me of is that even though he has that much, is that he's willing to ask for more. He knows that it's still not enough. It's still enough. He's always urging God, God, I want more boldness, more boldness, more boldness. And what we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes, what's amazing about Peter is that he asks for more boldness and he actually uses it. He actually uses it. He takes the boldness that God is giving him and he uses that, which is so amazing. And so before we jump into the prayer part, a little bit of context to this uh, scripture so that it will make sense to you is that Peter and John have just been arrested for preaching about Jesus, for talking about Jesus and doing miracles in his name. They're arrested, and in the Bible it talks about how they're arrested in the evening, and they're like, well, it's already this late. We'll just keep them overnight. (laughs) So they kept them overnight in jail, and then the next day they release them, and the temple guard and the Sadducees are now going to him, and and they're, they're talking to him. They've like sat him down and they're like, hey, seriously, we've arrested you now, but it's going to be much worse than this if you continue to talk about Jesus. If you continue to preach about Jesus, if you continue to do miracles in his name, it's only going to get worse from here. They're threatening him, threatening him. All of these threats coming at both of them saying, if you continue with this, you'll wind up right back here for much longer. And so they continue on through this, and I'm going to read uh, through the, the next passage in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. And the prayer that we're really going to focus on is in 29, but the rest of this helps everything else to make sense. So they've just been released from prison. They were talked to by the spiritual leaders, spiritual leaders, really the religious leaders back in the day, and they've been threatened with more jail time. And it says in verse 23, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what, was, uh, that, what the leading priests and elders had said. 
When they heard the report, all the believers lifted, lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And here's the prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of this of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against them, his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in the very city we're staying in. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you have anointed. And the verse 28 and 29 is so awesome. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through your name or through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook where they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. You know, I think this is really amazing as I, as I look through this passage and, and hear two guys that have just been arrested. They were only in there overnight just as a taste of what would continue to come if they didn't listen to what the religious leaders had told them. And as soon as they leave from that place, they don't quit preaching about Jesus. They go right back to the believers to talk about Jesus some more. And they say, look, this is what we've been told. We've been told that we can't talk about this. We've been told that we can't preach about this, that we can't share the name of Jesus any longer. And so what do they do? They begin to pray. They begin to pray and not just pray, God, you know, Jesus save us, Jesus help us, Jesus keep us from going to jail. Instead of praying a prayer of just protection, they say, and now Lord, hear their threats. Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. So now they're praying for boldness. They're not praying that they would get a way out that they would have an excuse to quit, that they would get a reason to stop doing what they're doing and, and find another way or that they'd be taken to another place. Now they're praying for boldness to continue doing what they've already been threatened to stop doing. So now they're pushing even harder towards this. So there's a few keys that I want to look at this morning as we talk about praying for boldness, praying for boldness and what that looks like. The first one is boldness doesn't take place without opposition. Boldness doesn't take place without opposition. Without opposition, there's no place for boldness. And so many times we pray for boldness, not realizing that on the other side is the threat. We have to understand that if we ask for boldness, there's going to be a threat, there's going to be opposition that we need to push through. In verse 29, then again, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness. So they're not saying, they're not trying to ignore the threats. They're not trying to push them to the side or say they didn't happen or act like it wasn't there. They're saying, Lord, hear the threats. Hear the threats. And instead of get us out of this or take us away from this, give us, your servants, great boldness. What a prayer. What a prayer. So awesome. So awesome that they would have the willingness to pray for greater boldness in the season that they're in. If there were no threats, then what is there to be bold about? If there's no threats, what are we to be bold about? And so often on top of this, we ask God to give us boldness for something that we aren't willing to face in the first place. Say, God, help me to be bold. Help me to face this. And then we wonder why we never get it. Say, God, help me to be bold. Help me to be brave. Help me to do what you've called me to do. Help me to take this next step. 
and we never have any intention of taking the step, but we want all the boldness. We want all the boldness for the season that we're currently in, not to get us to the next one. God's trying to take you to a new place. He's trying to give you something brand new, and he sees sees the threats. He's not ignoring the threats. He knows that they're there. Just like Peter and John, they know the threats are there, but they're willing to push through anyway. So for you and me, we have to ask ourselves, what was the last thing that we did that caused people to persecute us, that caused people to threaten us? In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, it says, you are blessed when, you, when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. So for us, we have to ask ourselves, when was the last time that our relationship with God, our, commit, our commitment to God provoked persecution? When was the last time that you felt bullied because of your belief in Jesus? And I don't just mean like on Facebook. I'm talking like, actual encounters with people? When was the last time that that happened? What did your boldness look like? And it's important for us to to dive into that because I can tell you there's been seasons of my life where I've asked myself this question. I'm like, well, I mean, there was that one time I prayed out loud. You know, like, you know, I'm trying to give myself excuses, but in reality, I prayed out loud at church, you know, but understanding that I have to live my life and understanding that there's going to be seasons where my relationship with God causes me to be persecuted, causes me to maybe be made fun of, or people don't understand what I believe or why I believe it. Just this last fall, I had the awesome opportunity to work with Centennial's football team and talk about feeling out of place. I did not play high school football. I don't look like I played high school football. I look like I watch football. Um, And I do dearly love to watch football. I do. I do, you know, fantasy the whole bit. And so... um, I'm the stereotypical armchair quarterback. And, but I just felt like it's something, man, I just had this urge to do it. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be with those guys. And I remember the, the first time I showed up to practice, they're literally in like a, like in a circle. A bunch of these guys are in a circle. And I can tell that like they're talking about me. Has anybody else ever felt that way? You're just like, I know you're talking about me right now. And then to make it worse, one of them with a mullet turns and he looks over his shoulder and then he looks back into the circle. He looks over his shoulder, looks right at me, looks back in the circle. I'm like, there's the proof. Now I know. Now I know that you're talking about me. Now I know, you know, like, okay, so bad. Just wanted to like squeeze in between those guys. He'd be like, you have anything to say? You know, cause they're definitely way taller than I am. And, and I, and I, you know, I, so it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, look, God wanted me to be here. This is what I want to do. The choice I made, I felt like God was pulling me to be a part of this. And really, it had been completely ordained. It really had been the, the, op, the opportunity had just been just presented by God like no one else could. So I'm there. I'm with the players. And it continued to get, like, a little bit better. I remember that same guy. He turned back around later, and he was like, hey, aren't you a priest? And I was like... <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> I'm a pastor. He's like, well, what's the difference? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to get into that, but uh, I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm not a priest per se, but I am a pastor. You know, I love Jesus and all that good bit. And, uh, but that was the end of that conversation. But the way he, you know, he even said it was kind of like, aren't you a priest? 
And so I had, I had to laugh just because I'm like, I'm not a priest, you know, but, but thank you. But it's just like, um, I'm glad I look so reverent right now, but I, I was it's like standing there and I just kept thinking, man, I, I went to practice after practice after practice. And, and I even got to where I was bribing them to like me. I showed up with two coolers full of Gatorade every time I showed up. And so they really loved the Gatorade guy. Really loved the Gatorade guy. It made it even better when one practice in the postseason, I showed up with Chick-fil-A for everybody. You would have thought, man, that was it. You know, like that was the greatest thing that had ever happened to them. But I began to continue to show up over and over and over again. And it went from me getting talked about to me getting to talk with them, me getting to have conversations with them. By the end of the season, the quarterback for the football team would come up to me before the games and ask me if I would pray with him before the game got started. And that just shows what happens when we're willing to feel out of place, when we're willing to feel the threats. I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that. I, I like for people to like me. You know, like that, that's a great feeling. And I, and I didn't want to be a part of something where I felt like I didn't belong. I didn't want to be a part of that, but I knew that God had called me to be with them, to be a part of that team. And even the same way, with, like with the coaches, you know, there are some coaches that would come and talk to me and other coaches, I just couldn't even hardly get them to talk to me, you know. I remember walking into the coach's locker room one time and uh, right before a game, we were on an away game and I was in the coach's locker room and I just, like, I just walked in to get my stuff and they went from laughing to dead silent. And I was like, <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have walked in here, you know? Like, but I also didn't want them to feel like they had to guard their words or guard their mouth or guard their tone just because I was in the room. I want them to be themselves. And so I continued to build a relationship with them. Before each game, I would go up to the football coach. I'd put my arm on his shoulder, and I'd say, hey, do you mind if I pray with you? And I was so nervous the first time I did that. I was so nervous. I was like, he's going to shut me down so fast. <laughs> he's going to shut me down so fast. I put it, I was like, hey, do you mind if I pray with you before the game? He's like, I would love that. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. But it was it's really one of the greatest things I've gotten to be a part of in it was because I just, I was willing to be persecuted. And I was, man, it was uncomfortable. It wasn't, it wasn't like walking straight in because like I was popular in high school. Guys, I'm not popular anymore. Like (laughs) that, something happened. You know, I just thought this would be really easy to go right back and it's going to be great, you know? And, and it wasn't, it took some time. It took some work. I had to be willing. I had to be willing to, to be persecuted a little bit. Even if I want to call it that, I feel bad for even calling it persecution because what I endured for a little while was very minimal to what people all over the world have to take in every single day, every single day. So for us sitting in our chairs, comfy and warm in here, when was the last time we stepped outside of our comfort zone and stepped into persecution because of our commitment to God? We want boldness, but we're not willing to be persecuted. God's not going to give boldness to someone who's, who's unwilling to, to take a step. Which leads us right into our next part. Prayer for boldness. Second one, prayer for boldness starts with faith and moves to obedience. Prayer for, for boldness starts with faith and moves to obedience. And verse 31, at the end of this prayer, it says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Once they had received the boldness from God, once they received the Holy Spirit from God, they took a step and then they preached the word of God with boldness. 
You see the step that happened there. They're asking for boldness. They receive it, and then they take a step. They have faith that they're going to get received from God. They have faith that it's the right thing to do, that they're going to get what they need from God, and then they're going to take a step of faith towards obedience to carry out what God has called them to do. And Peter and John had every reason to not want to do this. Who wants to spend their life in jail? Nobody wants to do that. There's no reason to pray for boldness here, but they knew that their calling was greater than their fear. They knew what God had called them to do, what he was challenging them to do. The commission that had been laid on their life was greater than their time in prison. And if they were to ask for boldness, that God would give it to them. They knew what they needed to do. They knew what they needed to do. They knew what their calling was. They just needed God to partner with them. They just needed God to partner with them. They just needed somebody to do it alongside them. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Many of our prayers look like this. Jesus, please. Lord, please help me do this. Please give me what I need to do this. We receive an answer, but then don't act on it. In a very logical sense, if someone is our Lord, I mean, if you want to go back to like the 1700s, Lord, you know, like, the, like Lord, someone who's lording over you, if someone's lording over you and they tell you what to do, you have to what? Obey. You have to obey. You have to be willing to obey. If someone's lording over you, if you're going to call someone Lord, Lord, and then they tell you what to do, the right and, and, and the good thing to do after that is to take the step of obedience. So we can't look at Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, he tells us what to do and then not obey. We have to be willing to say, Lord, Lord, help me. Show me what I need. Give me the boldness that I need. Tell me the direction to go. And when he gives it to you, take the step. And I'd be like, well, that wasn't exactly the step I was looking for. You know, I was hoping that I could step a different direction. Most of us want to step backwards first. But being willing to say, God, I hear you. I know what you're challenging me to do. And now my faith is going to move to obedience. The last part of this, and this doesn't sound, um, this will prove that I'm not a priest. <laughs> this last point says, I wrote down here, it says, faith looks stupid until you see the fruit. Faith looks really foolish until you see fruit. And it's true. You know, for you, whatever God has laid on your heart, as long as it's come from God, whatever that is, whatever dream, desire, challenge, thing he's pushing you to do, whatever he's laid on your heart, as long as it's come only from God, it doesn't matter if anybody else gets it. It doesn't matter if anybody else understands it. All that matters is that you were called to do it by God. You may not even understand it at first. You may not even get it. But being willing to say, okay, God, I hear you. I'm going to take the step of faith, and I know I'm going to look like a fool. I know I'm going to look stupid when I do this. But I'm believing for fruit on the other side. I'm believing that it's going to show up. I believe that it's going to be there. There are several times in the Bible, as I, as I was reading through here and looking through here, there are a lot of people in the Bible that looked really stupid until the fruit came. They looked really foolish until the fruit came, until that thing showed up that they had been working towards that didn't make sense to anybody else. Until that happened, they looked foolish. And I think about some of these guys. Noah looked stupid until it rained. Moses looked crazy until the sea split. 
Samson looked stupid fighting with the jawbone of a donkey until he was the last one standing. Peter looked stupid until he was walking, along, walking on water alongside Jesus. Mary looked stupid when she told Joseph she was going to give birth to Jesus until he died on the cross and rose again. Jesus looked crazy until Lazarus walked out of the tomb. Jesus looked crazy trying to feed 5,000 people with two loaves of fish, or two fish and five loaves of bread until there were leftovers. God is trying to say, you don't need much, you just need me. You don't need much. You don't need a lot. You just need me. That's all you need. Think about this. Noah was trying to build a boat for a flood where it had never rained. These people had never seen rain before. And he's trying to build a boat for a flood. What is it? They don't even understand what a flood is. They don't even understand that. You look at some of these other people that we talked about just now. Moses standing at the edge of the sea as, a, as the Egyptian army is coming behind him. And what does he do? Hold out a stick? They're like, Moses, a little more than a stick, please. Like, something else. Like, slap it with your hand. Like, give me something else. But he knew, you know what? I don't have much. But this is what God has called me to use. This is what God called me to use. Samson using the jawbone of a donkey. And then Mary trying to have a conversation with Joseph. Look, I'm pregnant. No, I haven't had sex with anybody else. Trust me, it's the son of God. It'll be fine. You know what? I'll be real honest. If Megan came to me, I'd be like, hmm. I don't know. You know? Like, we always make fun of Joseph because, like, an angel had to come to him. There had to be five angels that would have to come to me. Everybody, look, Colton, we promise, we promise, we promise. We promise. This is the truth. She's not lying. You know? And I love my wife. But I'd be like, hey, dear, look. You're going to have to get checked out. But think about this. Even Lazarus, Lazarus had been in the tomb so long that he started to stink. And Jesus brought him back. Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes, over 5,000 people. He sent out the disciples to go get food so that they could feed the people. And they showed up with two fish and five loaves of bread. I don't know. This is a good thing I'm not Jesus because I would have been like, try again, fellas. Walk back out. There's 5,000 people out there. They've got something on them. Like, we're going to do it. But here's what happens. He gets that. He gets that. He holds it. He can hold it in his hand. And all he had to do was pray. All he had to do was bless it. And they were able to feed until there were leftovers. They were able to feed until there were leftovers. Understand that when you are willing to pray, when you're willing to encounter God and use the little bit that he's given you, that little bit that doesn't make sense, that doesn't seem like enough, will be more than you will ever need. If you will allow God to work in and through you, whatever that challenge may be, no matter how ridiculous you look, God will be there. He will show up right when you need him to. He will be there for you. Acts chapter 4. At the very beginning, before the prayer starts in verse 23, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Lifted their voices in prayer to God. So they were told to be silent, and they lifted their voices. That's foolish. That's foolish. That's crazy. And then to pray for boldness on top of that, not me. I would like to say that I'm that great, but I just don't know that I would be. But here to, here's saying two men that are willing to say, God, give me all the boldness you can, and we're going to proclaim your name. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? I don't know about you, but 
That just seems crazy to me. Threatened with jail time. But instead of staying silently, lift their voice to cry out to Jesus, saying, help us. Give us the boldness that we need. So here's what we're going to do. We've got just a few minutes left. Just right where you are, I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head. This isn't necessarily the response time, but we're just going to take some time to think. Just for a moment, I want you to begin to think about what's the, what's the crazy dream? What's the thing that God has laid on your heart? What's the thing that God has laid on your heart that, that he's been challenging you with? That he's been asking you to look like a fool for for a very long time. But you haven't been willing to do it because you're afraid to fail. You're afraid to look stupid. You're afraid to look like you don't know what you're doing. You're afraid to look crazy even though you know that if you would just be willing to be obedient, on the other side is the fruit that God's been trying to get you to get, obtain. So for just a moment, what's the, what's the dream? What's the desire? What's the calling? What's the, what's the crazy thing that God placed on your heart that you've been afraid to pursue for a very long time because you just lack the boldness? You just lack the boldness. Maybe for you it was years ago. It was years ago you felt like God spoke this to you. It's been a very long time. It's been so long that you've, you've forgot about it until right now, and then all of a sudden you begin to feel conviction because you put it to the side a long time ago. What's the thing that you're wanting to do that God's calling you to do with your family that everybody else says is crazy? What's he trying to push you to do? Ben Pertola, pastor at Gateway, he says, the only thing between you and boldness is your insecurity. The only thing between you and boldness is your insecurity because we get too insecure to fail. Because of our insecurity, it limits what God will do through us. Not what he can do, but what he will do through us. So the only thing that's standing between you and the boldness that God has proclaimed over you and that he's waiting to give you is our own insecurities of I'm not good enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not great enough. I don't have what it takes. My personality is not strong enough. I'm not outgoing. I'm not smart. I don't have a degree. I'm not talented enough. I've never done this before. And God is saying, it doesn't matter. I've given you a little bit. And with that little bit, if you'll partner with me, it becomes excess. It becomes excess. So here's what I want to do. Just stand up with me for just the next few moments. If you're in here and you, you know, you hear me talk about having boldness and having faith and having dreams and having a relationship with God and, and you don't have any of that, including the relationship with God, and maybe that is what's limiting your boldness. Maybe that's what's limiting your ability to dream because you don't have a God that's giving you those dreams. You don't have a source to get any of that. Just for the next few moments, we're going to respond. And if that's you, you say, you know what? I don't have any of this because I haven't given my life to Jesus. Just on the count of three, I just, I just want you to raise your hand. If that's you in here, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, or maybe for you, you just need to rededicate. You've walked away from him, and it's been a while since you've been close to him. But today is the day that you want to be in his presence again. I'm just going to count to three. Just raise your hand. One, two, three, if that's you. Awesome. I see one hand so far. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. Okay, let's pray. Everybody just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I love you. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins and my past. Fear my own weakness. From this moment forward, I give my life to you. Take my weakness and transform it to boldness. 
so that I can make your name great. In Jesus' name, amen. The band's going to begin to play, and they're going to sing. And, and I just want you just to spend some time in worship and, and asking God to really place that back on your heart again. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. But God is, God is pushing you. He's challenging you to go to a new place. He's challenging you to go to a new place, to have boldness so that you can pursue that. Because some of you, unfortunately, have had amazing dreams and callings that God has placed on your life. But unfortunately, you were threatened, so you backed down. Let's change that. Let's change that. Let's take those threats and allow it to motivate us and ask for boldness so that we can bust right through those threats and do what God has called us to do. Because here's where we make the mistake. The boldness isn't about you. It's not about me. The boldness is being bold so that we can do amazing things for God's kingdom. That's what it's about. But when we make it about you, when we make it about me, we'll never receive it. But if we say, God, I want to be bold for you, the threats don't mean anything anymore. So from this moment forward, I'm pursuing what you have for me. Let's just begin to worship him and praise him until God lays that on our heart.